0: Let's pray before we begin. Lord, please let us understand Your Word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like Your Son. In Jesus'
1: name we ask, Amen.
0: Maybe never a wickeder king sat on Judah's throne. He was married to an idolatrous princess. His wife led him into idolatry the making of graven images, the worshiping of the heathen god Moloch, the burning of babies, and other vile, wicked practices connected with idolatry. They had a son, Jeroboam and his wife. The son's name was Abijah. Let me just say a word about that name. Uh, Bob, might be a good idea if you did the usual thing back there now for me. The the name Abijah comes from two words. The word Abba and the word Jah. The word Abba means father, and the word Jah is the word for Jehovah, which means God. So Abijah, Abba Jah, means son of the father. Or I'm, I'm sorry, father, my father is God. It means my father is God, or God the father. So Abijah or Abba Jah was his name. Now bear in mind this. Here's a wicked king, terribly wicked. And here is a heathen, pagan, idolatrous princess for a wife. No talking, please. No talking. Everyone listens while we preach. Folks behind you want to hear, and we expect uh, you to be respectful for the folks who are behind you and near you. So, the heathen princess married to the wicked king, they have a boy, Abijah. Abijah gets sick, very sick. He is sick unto death. The parents, though they're not Christians, though they are pagan and heathen, nevertheless they, as best they can, love their son, and they fear for the health and life of the son, Jeroboam is the king. Now, anybody knows Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam, if he walks down the street, everybody's going to say, there goes Jeroboam. Jeroboam wants to go, to, wants to find out from Ahijah. Ahijah is the prophet. He's an old man. But he's the one that Jeroboam believes really has contact with God. He wants to find out from Ahijah if the boy Abijah is going to die. is an amazing thing? Uh, you, you don't need, the, when, you, when, you, when you get in trouble, you need to call the preacher, don't you? You need to call God's people. And uh, so he said, I need uh, to find out from the prophet. But he said, I can't go. Now, forgive me, I'm not as famous as Jeroboam, and I'm not really famous, but everybody in this area knows who I am. And uh, there are a lot of places I just can't go. For example, I, uh, if I go in a restaurant, it's pretty tough for me to finish a meal in this area because I get stopped. The other day I was eating a meal in a certain restaurant, got stopped nine times during the meal. And so uh, there's not much use for me to go. Not because I'm famous, but because I'm <laughs> notorious, like other criminals. But uh, I know one day I was out mowing the yard. That has been a long time ago. And uh, so I uh, I had to go to the store, and I thought, it was summertime, and I thought, well, I'll, uh, I, 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 I took terrible, I had a pair of, uh, khaki trousers on and pair of shoes with holes in them and had a, a T-shirt. My shoulder was sticking out of the uh, T-shirt. I was a sight. Really, I was. Had an old greasy, what you used to call golf cap, the kind that that the that, uh, 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 bill fastens of the cap. And uh, so I went in the house and got me an overcoat, put it on, summertime. Uh, so it would cover up my T-shirt and my khaki trousers. And I got me a hat about way I needed to shave. I uh, I grow an inch beard every day, and uh, <clears throat> so I uh, I got me a old hat and pulled it down all the way around, and uh, and uh, got me some glasses. I didn't wear glasses then, and took off sunglasses and took off to the grocery store so nobody know who I was. Summertime overcoat, hat, pulled down, sunglasses, and uh, so uh, I taught the boys and girls in our church to always holler at me when they see me. I wish I'd never done that. (coughs) I taught them to say,
1: Hello, Brother Hiles!
0: That's my preacher! And uh, so I I went down to the grocery store and uh, walked in, had my coat, collar pulled up, wintertime, overcoat on, summertime, rather, overcoat on, and a hat pulled down like this and glasses, trying to conceal my famous identity. And... uh, so I went to the store, and I, I got what I was supposed to get, and I paid for it, and I made a break, and nobody, nobody noticed who I was, and I was so pleased about that. And I went, went out to the car and reached out for the handle of the car, and I heard little Brett, a little child, uh, say,
1: Hello, Brother house!"
0: And I thought I'd just try to help make folks not know who Brother house was. i looked around and look at Brother house, you know. And so I looked around, and a little child came up and pointed right at me and said,
1: That's my preacher!
0: There I was, long beard, sunglasses on, overcoat on in summertime, and a hat pulled down like that. And I just took my hat off and unbuttoned my overcoat, and I said, You better know I'm your preacher, and I'm glad to be your preacher, too. And I said, "Folks, the next time I come to the store, I'm gonna dress better than this." <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but uh, Jeroboam he couldn't just take off down to see the prophet. Everybody would know he was going to the prophet. Everybody said Jeroboam's got religion. Jeroboam didn't want anybody to think think that he's a wicked heathen king. So, he, so he said to his wife, oh, what courage he had!" He said, "Look, would you go please down to see the preacher? I want to find out if our boy's going to live or die." So. Uh, he said, now I want you to dis- disguise yourself. So his wife, dressed up as a farmer, she even had a basket of of uh, food, and dressed up as a farmer, took off down to the pastor, study to see the preacher, to find out if the boy was going to die or live. But the Lord had done something in the meantime. Isn't it strange? If a preacher, by the way, the preacher is blind, he's old, he's blind, and, uh, and now, why in the world she wanted to deceive the preacher with, with her farmer's garb when uh, he's blind anyway, I don't know. And also, if the fellow could tell her whether the boy was going to get well or not, it looks like to me the fellow would know who she was, whether she was, was uh, uh, trying to deceive, her, deceive uh, him or not. But here she comes, and the dear Lord said to the prophet Ahijah. Now, don't get the things mixed up. Ahijah is the prophet. Abijah is the boy who's sick. So here comes the queen, she's she is, is disguised like a farmer, uh, uh, a farmer's wife, and she comes and she walks in, and when, she hit, when the, the prophet hears the footsteps, he says, that's the queen. Why? The Lord had told him that the queen was coming. And so she comes in, she thinks she's disguised, and the prophet says, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Oh, good night, he knows who I am. And he said, I have bad news for you, the boy's going to die. I bring heavy tidings, I bring bad tidings, the boy is going to die. And there's one great statement, and i read it for you again, I think a fabulous statement. For all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. I want to say three things about the boy and his death in the first place. The child was better off dead than alive. Better off dead than alive. Better the child die while he's too young to know right from wrong than to grow up in a heathen home with a wicked father like Jeroboam. Better for that child to die and go on to heaven and not have to live than to grow up with an idolatrous, wicked, heathen mother like the princess from Egypt. And ask you a question tonight Is it better for your child to live or die? If you do not teach your child about Jesus, if you do not teach your child this Bible is the Word of God, if you do not teach your child how to go to heaven, if you do not teach your child the things of God, be a 10,000 times better off if your child died before it got old enough to know right from wrong. If you're not going to t- teach your teach child the things of God, if you're going to raise a child, <clears throat> I, I said. When every child in our family was born, I said, God, if they're not going to be saved, take them now. Don't let me rear a child for hell. Tragic thing. Some of you men right now not even saved in this room. You're not Christians. You, as far as you're, you're concerned, your child will live and die without God and die
1: and go to hell some of these days. As far as you're concerned,
0: they're better off the child died. I, I was on the airplane the other day. That's the understatement of the year, but I was on the airplane. And uh, I, I sat down, big, big 747, no, 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 no. what's the other big one? DC 10, DC 10. And uh, I sat down next, uh, next to the aisle, and, and it was at the inside seats, not the window seats, but the inside seats. And right beside me was a, was a young man, I'm guessing he must have been 25, 30 years of age. I'd say 25 to 30. And, uh, and beside him was a little boy. And the other side of the boy was, was his wife, obviously the mother. No, no, no uh, behave now, no, no cutting up in church here. And uh, so there was the little boy in the middle, and the lady came around, uh, the sturdist came around, and she said to me, she said, uh, would you like to have a drink? And I said, sure. Uh, Give me water on the rocks. And uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> she said, uh, all right, you want some water? And I said, yes, I want a glass of water, please. She said to the fellow beside me, now, what would you like to have? And he said, give me some um, gin. And uh, so the little boy beside him, the little boy must have been about three years of age, maybe two, three. So he, uh, he got his gin, two glasses of it, two, two uh, bottles of it. Asked the wife, what would you like to have? She said, give me some vodka. Now, there's a the boy in the middle, dad drinking gin, mother drinking vodka. And uh, so he emptied one bottle, <coughs> put it, in I don't know how they do mix it with something. How do you mix that? I don't, I don't know. Sully, you know. You, you tended bar 20 years. You know how to do it. And, uh, but uh, he mixed his drink. And then he had just a little bit in the bottom of the bottle, just, oh, a few drops. He gave it to the boy. And the boy uh, got his bottle. And the dad said, let's have a toast. And he got the, the bottle that wasn't empty, and uh, the boy got the bottle that was nearly empty, and they had a toast. And the boy, while the dad was drinking his, the boy was drinking his. Then he got a bottle, of, a little glass of water for with, with the boy, and he mixed his drink, two or three drops that was that, uh, in the bottom of, of the little uh, bottle. He mixed it. And while the dad was drinking his gin, the boy was drinking his. And I got my Bible out and began to read it. And the dad began to punch his wife and say, I don't know how you say it, but, uh, Maxine, how you do that? He said, And anyway, all right. and so on, um, uh, the, uh, the little boy, and, and I said, I didn't say it out loud, but I said, Be better, if that, be better tonight if, uh, today if that plane crashed, as far as that boy is concerned. And if he died... Never grew up, had got. A, he hasn't probably. He probably hasn't a chance in the world. Dad doesn't care a thing about his soul. In the
1: breast of that boy beats a never dying soul, a soul that someday must live in heaven or burn in hell forever.
0: And yet the dad, no thought about it at all,
1: laughing and cutting up, and the boy drink a toast, and they drank a toast, and the dad drinking his gin, and the boy. You say what's wrong with drinking gin? You know better than that. Anybody
0: that's has got sense at all knows you ought not to drink something that'll make you act like a fool. And the car wrecks and the broken lives and broken dreams caused for the dirty liquor traffic. If America had
1: any character
0: at all, should outlaw that kind of garbage and yeah. theft. And so, uh, but anyway, that, there they were. Poor boy. Not a chance in the world. Not a chance. I was uh, in a city out west. Pastor said, would you go with me and make a visit, please? I went with the pastor to make a visit. We knocked on the door man came to the door and the pastor said now this is a pretty tough nut Dr. Hiles. I wanted you to see him because the, the, the children have prayed so much the little boy came to the door about five years of age and I, I cut up with him a little bit and gave him some candy I think it was or maybe a nickel or something and um, so uh, uh, I asked the father if he were saved and the father said there's no God and the boy heard him there's no God and I said sir the fool has said in his heart there is no God The wise man said, and the man said, everybody's got any sense, knows there's no God. And I said, sir, you've got to die and go to heaven or hell. He said, there's no heaven, there's no hell. Anybody that has any sense knows that. Young people back in the back, you hear what I've got to say, you need this fellow. I'm not kidding either. I can understand why folks will come to church and sit and talk. If you're going to talk, get out in the car somewhere. Amen. You need the message of God. Amen. You need One thing some of you folks need somebody to sit you down and make you obey for a change. Amen. In this heathen age of no, no respect for authority and no respect for law and no discipline, calling policemen pigs and all the rest of it, there's still one place in this area
1: where young people sit up and listen and obey. And so the little, little boy looked at dad and said, there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell. Little
0: so the boy listened to him. I said to the man, I said, I hope your boy dies. He said, how dare you wish that off on my boy? I said, I'm wishing off better on your boy than you are. Be better if you ought to drop dead right now and never breathe another breath and never know what it is to grow up and never have
1: a normal life and never get married and never have children than to grow up in a heathen pagan home where the
0: father sends his soul to hell and takes his boy's soul to hell with him. So the Lord said that Abijah went to heaven because the child's better off dead. That isn't all. Along the same line, did you know it was a great blessing, I think, that Abijah was the one that went on to heaven, and the, and the, and Jeroboam and his and his wife stayed. If God had
1: said, "Jeroboam, I'll kill you because of your sins,"
0: no, better for Abijah to die, because Abijah was going to heaven. Jeroboam and his pagan wife, if they'd been destroyed by God or killed, they'd have gone to hell. And God, in His mercy, said, "I'll
1: take the boy on to heaven
0: rather than taking you to hell, punishing you for your sins." I hasten to go on to the next point and and say this. Not only was the child better off dead, but did you know why God took the child to heaven? God wanted the best in heaven. Ah, listen to this. said, said, um, For he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing. (laughs) The Lord said, i like it, little kid. I'd like to have him in heaven. Boy, there's some good thing in him. I see something in him I like. Hey, angels, bring him on up here. Let's let him live in heaven. Why did the kid die? Because he was wicked? No, because he was good. And the Lord said, I'm going to do a favor to heaven and bring that good one up here. Why is it that that one of our families, one of our fine deacons and his wife went to the bedside one morning of their little baby? Boy, I think it was. Dave, where are you, Marsha? Boy, wasn't it? And the little boy. And found the boy lifeless in the crib. How old was he? Three months old. Why was that? And why do we have to go to babyland and lay that little body beneath the sod? That little body is lying tonight beneath the sod, turning to dust. From whence it came. Wonder why that's why it is. Lord looked down at that crib and said, That's a my nice little baby. <laughs> and that baby there's some good thing in that baby. I like to have that baby in heaven. That's why you went to heaven, because the Lord found some good thing in that baby. I wonder why it is that little Danny Penley, when he was four years old, got leukemia. I wonder why it is that for those months and months he, he wilted away, and then suddenly he was uh, finally he was taken off to heaven. Why is it that night at three or four o'clock in the morning he called for his preacher, and I went over to the hospital and picked him up in my arms and told him I loved him, and it wasn't long until he was gone on to heaven. Why did God take him? The Lord said, I like little Danny. I'd like to have a boy like that up here. Very often I'll, I'll say, Doctor John Rice says about the boys and girl Said I'll give you $1.98 for him, or two ninety-eight if he's a pretty good kid, mm-hmm. $2.98 if he's a pretty good kid, you know. And, uh, and I often say that I, when I see a cute little girl, I say, Look, I got three old girls. I'll trade in on a, on, on a cute little one like that. This new you, you trade an old car in when it gets old. Why can't you trade an old girl in when she gets old? <clears throat> so uh, I got three old ones. I'll trade for that little new one. Or uh, I often I said the other day, little, little boys in the office. About three years old. I said, would you like to come with me to live? And I said, tell you what I'll do. What? I said, if you come with me to live, you'll never have to eat turnip greens or spinach or carrots or peas or beans. I said, for breakfast, you'll have ice cream, chocolate ice cream with nuts in it. And I said, you can have uh, uh, candy all morning long and cookies for lunch. And, And you can have pie and cake for supper. I'll never spank you. You'll never have to go to bed till you want to go to bed. You can stay in bed in the morning as long as you want to stay. This guy's got a big silver dollar. And I said, I'd never spank you if you'd come live with me. It'd be ice cream and candy all the time. I said, uh, you want to go come, come live with me? He said. <laughs> sure. And uh, so, but you've seen little kids. I know you have. There's three or four kids in this church. I'd give, I'd give ninety eight for them cash right now. A lot of kids, I would. A lot of them. And the dear Lord looked down from heaven, and he said, uh, a four-year-old little penly boy, he had not got much of a dad, but he's a mighty good kid himself. And uh, said, uh, <laughs> just, just playing there, John. And uh, <clears throat> said, uh, said if, I, if I let that boy live, he may grow up and look like his dad. And I don't want that to happen. And the dear Lord said, I'd like to. little Danny up in heaven with me. Why did the Lord want to you? There's some goodly thing found in him. Why did the Lord want to you in heaven? He's a good kid. He was an exceptionally good kid. And God said, I'd like to have him. Why is it that uh, one day I went to a house and they said, help uh, pray for us that we'll, find a, we'll have a baby. And uh, finally God in his mercy gave a baby to that family. that had been, mar- been married for, oh, numbers of years and couldn't have children. And God gave them a baby, and they were so pleased and happy. And I prayed for the baby. I recall one day the telephone was in our office, and somebody said, Brother Hiles said, the little Coughlin baby is in the hospital. And Mrs. Coughlin has had a wreck on the expressway out here, and the little baby is very, very sick. They don't know whether the baby will live or not. And the little baby that prayed for all those years, I guess 10 years that prayed for a baby, and only had one. And I'll never forget it. I went down to the emergency ward of St. Margaret's Hospital. I walked in, and there was that little bloody baby lying a corpse there. And I stood over that little lifeless form, and the parents said, "Brother Hiles, we just had one. We just had one. Why did God take our one? I'll tell you why God took your one. The Lord found some goodly thing in him, in her." The Lord said, that's a cute little girl. Oh, wouldn't she be good to sit on my knee up
1: here in heaven? Uh, some goodly thing was found in her. And the Lord said, Abijah, about Abijah, I found some goodly thing in him. I'm going to let him come on to heaven. And that's what the Lord said about the little coffin, baby.
0: My mother, I kid her a lot, but my mother's been through the fires. Her first, their mother and dad's first child was afflicted. Never walked or talked. And then a second child, and died when she was seven, and then Hazel was born, a lovely little baby girl, and she died when she was seven. I often say my mother's had three tragedies in life. The first girl lived seven years and died, and the second girl lived seven years and died, and then my sister lived seven years and lived. Those are the three tragedies my mother's had. And uh, But anyway... Uh, uh, two little girls. I wonder why Why did my mother have to take her first two little baby girls out and place them in a little cemetery in Italy, Texas, buried side by side. Why did Hazel and Lorene have to go? The Lord found some goodly thing in them. The Lord said, I'd like to have Hazel up here in heaven. I'd like to have Lorene in heaven. And some goodly thing was found, and God took them on to heaven. God was merciful. Uh, I think so often of Mrs., Mr. Mrs. Rice in our church, that little boy who at 14 years of age, I think it was, uh, had a terrible kidney disease. I'll never, I've never seen a boy suffer like he suffered. Over at the Reese Hospital in Chicago, and there he was suffering like I've never seen a boy suffer. And I, never, I don't guess I ever prayed for God to take a boy, child's life like I prayed. Dear Lord, don't let that boy suffer like he's suffering. And I say this, I don't know a dozen people in this world that are a bigger blessing to me in suffering than the rises have then. Dear people in our own church. But uh, why did God take that
1: boy to heaven at the age of 14?
0: Why didn't he get to live a normal life? Why didn't he graduate from high school? Why didn't he get to get married? Why didn't he get to have a family? Why didn't he have a career? Why didn't he get a college degree? Why in the early days
1: of life was the boy taken?
0: I don't know why he was taken. The Lord said, there's some goodly thing in him, and I want to bring that baby, a boy, on up here to heaven. There's a the third thing I want to say. By the way, by the way, the other night, the other night when I was over talking to Ann Stanley who's been that far from death for weeks now. I was talking to Leanne Stanley. She couldn't, she couldn't talk back. She was un, uh, unconscious, paralyzed. But the doctor said she could hear, but she couldn't respond at all. Her eyes were shut, and there was a, a, um, a pipe, pipe. Uh, they call them, tube inside her neck and, and so forth. And I leaned over, and I talked to her a while. And I said, Leanne, I love you. This is Brother Hiles, and I love you very much. And I said, I just came by to pray for you and tell you that I love you. And I hope you get well, because we need you. But I said, Leanne, you're such a fine little girl. It may be that Jesus would want you in heaven rather than any other little girl I can think of. I hope she heard me. It may be that God let her live, and I hope he will. But you know, if the Lord doesn't let her live, won't he enjoy Leanne? Don't you think the Lord's enjoyed little Danny Penley all these years? And don't you think the Lord's enjoyed uh, Ron Perkins, three children, all these years? And don't you think the Lord has been pleased to have the little Gifford boy with him all these years? And, uh, and so the Lord sometimes says, I want, I want the best, and he takes the best off. Now, if I were God, I wouldn't do that. If I were God, I wouldn't let anybody die until they got 50. You know, that's as old as you can get, you know. And, uh, but, uh, <clears throat> I, if uh, God, but uh, God, God says,
1: I want some children up here too.
0: There no babies ever born in heaven. If God gets any babies, he's got to adopt some. And so he just brings some of the sweeter ones and some of the pretty ones on up to heaven. Why is it that one Wednesday night in this auditorium, I saw someone came in back there, and they called Dr. Streeter, and Dr. Streeter rushed out the door and up to the bed babies nursery. And young people... Hey girl, the yellow bl- dress or blouse. Why is it that God uh, And, and they rushed up there, and uh, and the l- little little uh, I forgot the name all of a sudden. Yes, Terry Craig, baby. Uh, just how old, Terry, how, where are you? How old was the baby? Working tonight. Where's Mrs. Craig? Uh, five months old, I guess. But little baby in the bed baby's nursery. And the doctor Streeter um, went up there, and it was too late. And the baby died in the nursery. Just died. And wonder why that is. The Craigs hadn't been saved but a few days. Just a few days. I wondered how it'd be. I wondered how they'd take it. Oh, they took it like great Christians. And now Mr. Craig is in our college preparing to be a preacher. And he's going to go out in Nebraska. Is that right? Uh, Iowa and start a church out there this, this coming summer, and now why did God take that baby? God took the baby because God wanted a baby like that in heaven. Now there's a third thing I want to say, not only was the taken because
1: in some cases, a child is better off dead. And I say it again, if you're not going to raise your child for God, in the first place, don't have any kids that you're going to rear them to be heathen. <clears throat>
0: and be uh, <clears> better <throat> if they died, if you have any, if you're going to rear them to be heathen, but the second place, <clears throat> God wanted the best, third place. Abijah had some goodly thing in him, but not because of his mom and dad. Another had won him or helped him. Who was it? Well, why was Abijah a good kid? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some maid like Naaman's maid in Syria had told him about God.
1: Maybe he heard
0: some cook in in the palace singing psalms, and that's the way he learned about God. I don't know what it was. Maybe some relative had taken him aside and told him. Maybe some nurse in the palace had told him. I don't know. But there's one thing I do know. Somebody had taught him about God and about the Bible. The same girl I called down a while ago is going to stand up the next time I see you talking. You do you, you know what I'm talk. about. I shake your head. You know what I'm talking about? The girl that, uh, let's see, if I can figure out where she is. Uh, Mr. Bewley, hold your hand up, would you please? Uh, first, the second girl to the right of you. That's that girl has a thing in her hair. You, you, that's it. That's it. Next time you stand up and I'll recognize you because you don't know how to behave in church. Now, don't you laugh. I'll do it before you do it next time. And uh, so, you say, I don't like that. Well, you don't have any choice in the matter. Kids are going to behave when they come to church here. And by the way, if you'd you'd crack the whip over and put the paddle back in your home, uh, a lot of them would behave anyhow without me having to stop in the services. And uh, now you say, well, how? That's my daughter. Well, okay, then I'll let you borrow my paddle after the service if you'd like. (laughs) If you don't use it, I'm going to. By the way, that's a part of it, too. If you're not going to spank your kid, be better off if he died before he's old enough to know right and wrong. This generation where kids talk back to moms and dads and where kids don't don't learn
1: to behave and where kids don't say, Yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And the first time dad says something, they do it. That kind of generation, better off we didn't have any kids.
0: But another had won him. Let me say this. Did you know, and this is the message tonight right here, did you know that within 25 miles of where I stand right now, 40 miles where I stand right now, did you know there are literally hundreds of thousands of children that will never have a chance unless somebody outside the family cares enough about them like the case was for Abijah. Well, how do you know somebody told Abijah the Word of God? Tell you how I know. The Bible says some
1: good thing was found in him. And the Bible says that there's nothing that can please God but faith, which means there's nothing good in us but faith. So Abijah had faith because God said it was a good thing, and Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So somebody had taught in the word of God, and it generated faith in that little soul, and God saw that faith as being the only thing that's good, said there's some good thing found in him, somebody, apart from his wicked dad, Jeroboam, and apart from his heathen mother, heathen princess mother, somebody loved that kid enough to take him and say, in spite of the fact that you have an idolatrous father and a wicked, heathen, pagan mother, I love you and I want to tell you something about the Bible and about the things of God. And there are hundreds of thousands of boys and girls who live within 40 miles or a 40-minute drive of where I stand now who will never
0: have a chance to be saved unless somebody besides their moms and dads. Tell them about Jesus and about the things of God. Well, I wonder who's going to do that. Wonder who's going to... Would you agree that Chicago is filled with boys and girls whose parents are not ever going to teach them the Bible or take them to church? Would you agree? Amen? Yes. All right, now let's see who's going to do that. Who's going to tell them about Jesus? Is the Red Cross going to tell them about Jesus? <laughs> now, the Red Cross may do some good things for them, but they won't tell them about Jesus. Well, let's keep on. You think the liberals are going to do it? Folks that don't believe the Bible? No, they need to be told themselves. Do you think that the liberal council of churches is going to do it? No, because most of them don't believe the Bible anyway. Well, do you think the fundamentalists that don't believe the invitations are going to do it? No, they're not going to do it either. Who's going to do it? I'll tell you who's going to do it if it's done. It's the people in this room right here tonight. Now, you listen to me. These little boys and girls over here in Chicago that have atheists and pagans from mothers and dads have as much a right to hear the gospel as you as your child has.
1: They can't help it because they're were reared in a fa- they're being reared in a family where, where liquor runs like a river and where God is mocked and where the Bible is not believed or read and where the church is never visited. They have no choice in the matter. They can't help it in God's name. How are they going to hear unless somebody
0: goes and tells them? And if somebody goes, we're going to have to go. There are a lot of little littlebijjah over in Chicago, listen to tell you what you do. You walk down this this some Sunday, or come in this auditorium some Sunday afternoon, and you look in the faces, those are the kids. Now they don't have dresses on as nice as your daughters and mine have. And their hair many of in fact, a lot of, a lot of them have never had their hair done, and their faces are dirty, and they have little tennis shoes on, or maybe a hold in the shoe. And in some cases they have little dresses that are up to their hips and in some cases they're down to their ankles because that's happened to be the kind that were handed down. But you stop for a few minutes and you look in those eyes and you'll find their eyes are as pretty as your baby's eyes are. And you look at those cheeks and if you'll wipe the dirt off some of those little cheeks, you'll find they have just as rosy cheeks as your baby has. And I may mean, I say this, God loves them as much as he loves your baby too. But they have no hope, they have no chance, nobody seems to care about them We're going to have to care. This morning, Sergeant Miles was taking me to the office, and we walked past the little bus kids in the hallway, and one of them said,
1: Hi, for the house!
0: And the next one said, I said, Hi. Hi, for the house!
1: Hi. Hi, for the house! Hi. Hi, for the house! Hi. And I was, hi, hi,
0: hi, 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 And I was hiring a kite before I got through. And, uh, hi, for the house! Hi, Hi
1: for the house! Hi, Hi for the house! Hi.
0: And finally, I got the last one, and I wasn't glad to get past the group in my life. And then after I said hi to the last one, then the first one will start over again.
1: Bible Hills, bye. Bible Hills, uh, bye. Bible Hills, bye.
0: Bible Hills, bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. You know why? Because they don't much have anybody says hi to them. Nobody much cares about them. Let me just say a few words. I get a little irritated sometimes when a bunch of preachers and, and, and theologues criticize the church for giving balloons, for example, to kids to get them to come to Sunday school. A lot of these kids would never have a balloon if we didn't give them one. Why? I know some, and some, uh, some preachers that dare sit in judgment and say, I
1: understand a certain church give hamburgers to kids to get them to come to church.
0: You weren't such a tight wad, you'd give kids hamburgers too. A lot of these poor kids never saw a hamburger. You ought to go out there someday and you watch them look in my car. Now, my car is not the best car in the whole world, and I, in fact, it, um, it is really one of my weaknesses and sins. Uh, I work in my car, and my, garb- my front seat on the floor is the garbage of my car. And when I dictate a letter. I open the letter and I throw the garbage in the front seat. And once a week I have it cleaned out. That's why I let the folks use it on Saturday night. They clean it out for me. And, and, uh, but those kids, they look in, in my car. And, and the other day one of the girls said, dad said, those kids come in look in here and their eyes get big. Wow. Look at that. Did you know most of those kids have never ridden in a car that has an air conditioner or a heater? Most of those kids have never seen a shiny car like that. The little kids congregate sometimes outside my office. The other day they looked in my office, and some of the men in our church just have redone my office for me, and put paneling on the walls and, and new carpet on the, and no, not new carpet on the floor, but uh, uh, cabinets and so forth. And uh, the little kids were looking inside, and one of them said, "Forgive the bad language." He said, "Golly, hey,
1: looky there!"
0: One kid said, "What's that?" He said, "Heaven." heaven. I don't don't misunderstand me, but many of you have homes nicer than my office. Or nice. To those little kids, a room that has carpet on the floor is heaven. I know. I used to be one of those little kids. I know. I know. You know one reason why if I can recall one, one night I had a Christmas party. And I'll never forget as long as I live. had a Christmas tree at the Firm of Baptist Church. I can see it now. The tree was down, facing the pulpit. It was down the right-hand corner of the church, right down, let's see, no, right down here on the front. And the church seated about three or 400 people. And I walked in and I saw, and all the poor kids, and I was one of them, all the poor kids had a gift on the tree. And I saw a little car. Of course, now you have battery-operated cars. In those days, we didn't—we <laughs> didn't have battery-operated <laughs> big cars. But I saw a wind-up car. Remember the kind that used to wind up? And uh, I saw it, and I said, "I hope that's what they got for me." And somebody opened, took the car, and they read a card on it. And I said, "I hope that's my name." And and it's somebody else's name. And I saw a football, and I, I always wanted to have a football. I never had a football. I wanted to have a football. And I said, but that's for me. And, that's come to mine. I don't have a football. And so they picked the football up, and I walked up to get it because they just knew it was for me. And they called off some of the little dirty rascals' name. Sheep. And uh, I saw a train. Not not electric train, the wind-up kind. The little cars used to hook on together about that long and go round and round and go through a little tunnel, you know, and little wind-up train. And I said, I'd like to have that. I, I'd love to have a train. By the way, it still would. Uh, don't you dads kid me You don't give your boys a train for Christmas Not at all Not at all You give yourself a train for Christmas I can prove it How come you gave, how come you gave him one when he was three days old <coughs> And uh, so I said that's for me That's for me Boy they got that train My mouth began to drool I was one of the poor kids And that's for me They had somebody else's name off And finally there's only one present left And there's two of us Didn't have anything and I was as poor kid as you'd want to see. And I said, I hope that's for me. And they read his name. And I'll never forget how I felt. I was the only kid. We didn't have anything for Christmas. For my birthday that year, my mother took a nickel and bought me five pieces of penny candy. That was my birthday that year. And I thought, I'd like to have a present. Did you know there are a lot of little boys and girls like that that need somebody to love them and care for them in this area? Oh, Thanksgiving is coming, and Christmas is coming, and, and
1: thousands of people spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, and, and I'm, not, I'm not against buying your own something, but in God's name, why doesn't somebody care about tens of thousands
0: of children who will be in the hands of these policemen unless somebody gives them the gospel and tries to help them? Their moms and dads don't care. Somebody's going to have to care. That's one reason why I don't have any patience with these pious people that say, "I
1: don't believe in giving away gimmicks to get kids to come to
0: church." You got a hole in your head. You got bats in your belfry. You got too many rooms for rent upstairs. You ought to be called an evacuation route. I mean, the honest, simple truth is, very idea
1: you to be thanking God.
0: Little poor kids like over here
1: in Chicago, many of them don't have a hot meal all day long. A dad who lives in a uh, bar and drinks himself to death and drinks up the family food and drinks up the shoes and drinks up the clothes and a mom who doesn't care. A little lady sat in the office last night and said, or yesterday and said, Preacher, my mother doesn't believe in marriage and she just has one man come after another. Somebody's going to care about the kids that,
0: that grew up in the families of these heathen pagan people, somebody ought to thank God we give them hamburgers, and thank God they've got a balloon, and thank God they've got a toy, and you let you
1: let it be known far and near that Jack Lyle's is for giving little poor kids something to entice them to hear the gospel. And if they don't even come, I just
0: thank God they get something every once in a while. This kind of Pharisaism, paganistic kind of selfish of pious Christianity that says, they don't believe in all that. Well, you just go through some of these neighborhoods and you'll believe in it. You look and see the conditions in which they live. We must get the children. I was preaching up in Maranatha Baptist Bible College. Pardon the expression, students. But I was preaching Maranatha Baptist Bible College a young student took me to the airport two weeks ago. He said, "My wife, my fiance, I'm getting married next June. My fiance was saved in your church. I said, "Where'd her family live? he said, "I don't know. she's a bus kid. This young preacher, Dad's a missionary up in Alaska. He's going to be a, pr- a pastor. He said uh, my wife uh, my fiance uh, at, uh, a student here at the college said one day, one of your bus workers came by and knocked on the door of their house, and her mom and dad weren't much." Didn't care about the Lord or things of God. And a bus worker came out and and visited and said, anybody get my wife? And said she rode the bus all for many, many months, maybe years. He said, thank you for having a bus ministry and for somebody who cares about bus kids. I was was, uh, down in Marshall, Texas, pastoring out in the country. We couldn't afford buses in those days. And my car was a bus every Sunday morning. Brother Vineyard, every Sunday morning, I'd get my car, and I'd spend two hours driving and filling my car up and bringing, bringing kids to Grange Hall Baptist Church, the poor little kids. And one day, a new family moved. The name was Graham. Lived out in the country, out on, on the Roseboro Springs Road, and uh, middle Middle Roseboro Springs Road. And I I heard them move in a poor house. And I went out, and I, I on the first day they were there, I'd helped them unload the furniture. I used to have a, they had something, have enough time for that. Helped them unload the furniture. And... Uh, and they moved in. And I said, let the children come to Sunday School Sunday. And they said, we don't have a way to get them there. And I said, I'll come by and get them. And I drove out Highway 43 and then across over the road to middle of Roseboro Springs Road. It took about 15 minutes to get there that morning. And uh, filled the car up with those little kids. I was down in Jacksonville, Florida, preaching a few years ago. A handsome pastor with a doctor's degree walked up. Some of you fellows that know him walked up to me and said, Dr. Hiles, my name, and told me his name. He said, you'll know my wife. I said, "Uh, who's your wife? He said, meet my wife. I said, I don't know her. He said, yes, you do. He said, years ago, you got in your car one Sunday morning and drove out on Middle Roseboro Springs Road and got a bunch of little poor kids and put them in your car and drove them to Sunday school and church, and they all got saved. He said, my wife, one of those Graham girls that you got that morning. And I stood there and wept and rejoiced and praised the Lord. Let me tell you something. Oh, you know wealthy folks are, are, are welcome in this church. You know that's true. But you also know I've spent a lifetime trying to help poor people and the down and outer. And I've tried to help poor little kids. And I've seen, I've seen what God can do. I was down in, in Dallas, Texas preaching. Young seminary students stood up. Almost out of seminary. Handsome kid. Had a winning personality. Fine smile. And he stood up and testified. And he told a story. He said, I heard Dr. Jack Hiles was coming to preach here. He said, Dr. Hiles doesn't know me, but my, my name is White. He said, we lived in Marshall, Texas. We are just a bunch of poor kids. He said, Dr. Hiles, when he was a young preacher, 22 and 23 years old, said he came to get us every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. And he took our family to Sunday school and to church three times a week. I mean, he got in his car and drove and and got our, and he had to preach and he had to run the church. But he took us to Sunday school and he said, I was saved. Dr. Howell's woman of Christ back yonder when he was a young preacher. And he said, I'm a preacher in a, in, in, in a seminary now preparing to serve the Lord. I'm simply saying, it'll just work. It'll just work. I, uh, I can tell you story
1: after story after story. I was down in Longview, Texas, preaching for Terry Smith. Young lady walked up.
0: I said, young lady, middle-aged ladies in
1: walked up and said, you know me, I'm one of the bus workers
0: here. And I said, uh, who are you? She said, I'm one of your first bus kids in, Gar- in Marshall, Texas. Young people, no talking, please. In Marshall, Texas, she said, one of your first bus workers. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I know that, there- that God has placed us here in this area for a reason.
1: And that reason is, is not to come to church on Sunday morning and sing, Amen, 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 Amen. The Lord is in His holy temple, and all the earth, keeps silent before Him. And a fellow comes out in a kimono, and a choir comes out dressed like him, and we chant, and we, oh, we warble a while, and
0: then we have a little worship, and then we goo a while, and then we oo a while, and then we go out and say, we have had a worship experience today. No, you haven't. You've had a spooky experience today. <laughs>
1: That's not going to save this country. Somebody's going to have to love these poor little kids and care for these poor little kids that are reared in homes of Jeroboam's and heathen people that think not about the gospel, that think not about the Savior, that will never tell them
0: how to go to heaven and how to escape the torments of hell. Somebody's got to care. And here's this poor little boy, rich, yes, but poor. The father's, his father's the king, but he's poor. His mother's the prince, princess of another nation, and now she's the... The wife of the king, but the boy is poor. I don't know what happened. Maybe one day, maybe one day the fellow who was mowing the yard in the palace, maybe he saw the Labaja, and he said, Hey, A.B., uh, let me tell you, how old are you? He said, I'm this ninny. He said, uh, Would you like to help me work? I'd like to help you mow the yard. Could I do it? And maybe he put his little hands on the lawnmower. And maybe the the yard man pushed it along. And maybe the yard man said, little baby, anybody ever tell you about the coming Messiah? Anybody ever tell you, son, that God loves you? No, no. He said, we have have idols we worship. But did did anybody ever tell you that someday the Messiah is going to come? Anybody ever tell you that the shedding of blood is the way you get saved? Maybe it was a yard man. I don't know. Maybe it was a maid that prepared him for bed at night. Maybe when she tucked him in bed at night, she'd look and see that Jeroboam was was away, and he wouldn't know. And he'd look and see if the wicked prince's mother was gone, and she wouldn't know. And maybe maybe it was a nurse who tucked him in bed at night, and the nurse would say, Abijah, did you ever hear the story of the coming of the Messiah? Did you ever hear the story that God loves you? And maybe a little abijah looked up and said, no, I never heard that. And maybe that faithful maid uh, or nurse who put him to bed at night, maybe she bowed her head and said, oh, God, bless this little boy. I'm not sure who it was, but I'm sure of one thing. I'm sure that somebody, I'm sure that somebody told him. You know... One of the heartaches of a pastor who has a big church is he can't be with the people like he wants to be, and he can't know all the children by name like he wishes he could. But I was walking down an alley the other day, and I had Mr. Walker and I had been talking to the loan company, and I had spent hours and hours with the with the uh, auditor, and uh, and and. Doing it between conferences. I'd talk to somebody had a problem, and then I'd have ten minutes, and I'd work on the lawn and, and uh, make a call or two. And then I'd try to study a sermon, study for a sermon in between, and then another conference comes. And then i got a fall program. i got to plan the fall program and then uh, have about ten minutes for that, and then another conference comes. And always changing your mind from one thing to another, this burden and this problem, and uh, you're planning a wedding here, and somebody has died here, and then uh, some mail to answer. And uh, last night, for example, a man all the way from Australia came to this country, and they said, when you go to the country, please please talk to Dr. Jack Hiles. Somebody told him, said, you ought to meet Dr. Hiles while you're... Uh, and he'd gotten a train come all the way out from Chicago just to talk to me last night. And I had people lined up to see me, and I couldn't give him but about two or three minutes, and I felt so bad. And I know he didn't understand. And, I, and, and after he left, I said, Dear Lord, make him understand. I've got to see these people. They've had appointments for weeks. I don't mean to be a snob. I'm not a big shot, and you know I'm not. Help him to understand. And uh, But anyway, after a busy week, I went out here on a Sunday morning, and I saw kids with a vineyard lined up out there on Sunday morning. And I just looked at them, and I said, you kids don't know it, but you're the reason why we're spending all this money. You're what it's all about. I want our church
1: to stay after those poor kids. Let them laugh at us. Let them say we've got to give away a church. Let them write articles about us. Let them say we're giving away hamburgers trying to have the largest Sunday school in the world. Let them say it, but they're large. I
0: wouldn't give you a dime for the largest Sunday school in the world. But I'd give my life to help everybody we can. And if we, God let us help more than anybody in the world gets to help, I'll just praise Him for the opportunity of helping them. That's all for the vineyard here. You think he's do you think that a fellow as brilliant I mean it, as brilliant as Jim Vineyard, do you think that he'd spend his life chasing down lost kids because he wants to have the largest bus ministry in the world? Well oh, listen, that man could go into television as a comedian or a performer and put Johnny Carson off the television screen. And I think maybe you ought to do it.
1: Amen. <clears throat> There's not a, a worker with children that the world has
0: that can handle kids, like this man right here can handle kids. Not a one. You know why he does it?
1: So he can travel around the country saying, i got the largest bus ministry in the world.
0: You know better than that. He does it because he goes over to Chicago and sees those boys and girls and tears stream down his cheeks and he has a burden and he cares. That's why somebody's got to care. All I'm saying tonight is this. We stand here at the edge of Chicago with tens of thousands of the Levijas who have never one time seen the inside of that book. Who've never one time heard anybody saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Who think that getting drunk is a part of everybody's life. Who only time they ever hear God's name is in a curse word. Don't you think it's time, some of you people that are lay people at First Baptist Church, don't you think it's time you got burdened about the Abijahs? Don't you think it's time that you said dear God <laughs> Some of these kids are gonna die? Thank you for listening and if you like this please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.